When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show. The Tom Bernard Morning Show. Streamed every morning on the Tom Bernard Show app and anytime on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Like you, sister. That's all I've got to say to you. I'm going to check the weather a few times this morning because it's going to get really weird today. Uh, windy with a few morning flurries. No accumulation, though. Then rain and windy this afternoon. Then a thunderstorm this afternoon later. Jesus. Got like four seasons going through all at the same day. Mm-hmm. Or all on the same day, I should say. 41 degrees for the high uh, today. It's 33 and cloudy right now. But again, windy, a few morning flurries, no accumulation. Then rainy, then windy, then a thunderstorm. That's We're going to get it all today. No question about it. Such is life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm about to save your relationship, and I'm going to picture your naughty parts while I do it, again, for uh, the sake of your relationship. Here's a piece of advice from Dr. John Gottman, a psychologist uh, who specializes in marriage and relationships. When you and your significant other start fighting, you both need to pause for a second and immediately strip down naked. Yeah, I can see Catherine going along with that. <laughs> no you're pissed at me, take your clothes off. Mm, I don't know. You'd be picking fights four times a day. I would. I was mm-hmm. There's no question about it. Here's why it's smart. When we get into arguments, our caveman brains go into fight or flight mode, and we're acting out of instinct. That's why we start yelling, saying terrible and hurtful things, and not listening or even thinking. But when you get naked, you pull your brain out of that tailspin. Suddenly, the situation feels too weird for you to keep going down that instinctual, hurtful path. So you can keep arguing naked, but you'll both be more in the moment and more likely to listen to each other, act rationally and diffuse the situation. Uh, this would never work for me because it would just, like, I, uh, when I just walk in and I don't know what, what Catherine, you know, where she is or whatever, like, let's say I just got home and I want to head to the, uh, to the bathroom and I walk in and she's standing there naked putting on makeup and stuff. She just got out of the shower. Mm-hmm. I literally just turn around and go sit in the other room and go, I, it's... I'm not worthy, you know. <laughs> that would not work for me because I, I find my wife to be quite attractive, and I would be. Is that part of it? You're so distracted by your attraction to them that you don't want to fight anymore. I don't know. I, I imagine that you. It's tough to yell at somebody when your you know banners just hanging in the wind. I, I would have a hard time. Right. I would have a hard time arguing with somebody when you're just in like the most vulnerable situation ever. You know. Right, well, and that was that's what it would seem like. Yeah, I, I do a, I do a lot of arguing in a parka, but not a lot in a speedo. If you catch my drift, you know. Arguing, yeah, I'm not much of an arguer. I just kind of go, yeah, whatever, yes, no, whatever. Good for you. I'm happy for you. Yeah. So you and your wife, uh, you guys don't argue. We argue, but not like over the top, like yelling at each other. We don't do that yelling at each other. She basically gets really to be a real smart ass when she argues with me. Sure. I mean, literally, she goes, blah, 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 blah. And by the way, nice shirt. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> Whatever. I love the woman dearly. There's no question about it. We had a ball last night at that Twins game. Twins win 11-1 to 1 last night, ladies and gentlemen. As a matter of fact, let's talk about that a little bit. This team is now 4-0, and as uh, it was predicted on the Tom Bernard show that they would be uh, undefeated. Mm-hmm. And I think for the entire season, 162-0, and 0, you know. Yeah. What I'm saying. Not that tough of a feat. No, not at all. Not a problem. Mm-mm. But uh, went to went to the uh, Twins game last night in Miami. It was quite interesting. Um, you know, it's really kind of sad though. There's nobody, and I was told this before we went down there. Uh, we were at the train station, and, and they said, "Where are you headed?" And I said, "Down to Miami. Going to go to the uh, Miami Marlins Minnesota Twins game." And they said, "Oh, that's sad." I said, "What? What's sad?" 
Nobody shows up at those games down there. I mean, here's a team that won two World Series in the past, what, 15 years, something like that? You know, Maybe not even that long. It's funny. When I saw that you had posted photos of yourself at the stadium, at first I <clears> thought, <throat> is he there for, like, the warm-up? Is this the is you, yeah, this batting right. practice? No, that was right. like the middle of the seventh inning. Yep. <laughs> it's like, this is awful. And there was no one there. It was really sad. And by the way, about two-thirds of the people that were there were Twins fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Minnesotans travel well, for sure. Yep. Ran into tons of people from Minnesota, all wearing their Minnesota Twins hats and shirts and having a great time. And by the way, the people in Miami, they don't get pissed off about that. They get it. They understand. Um, when the, 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 let's see. I'm trying to think. The two World Series that were won by Miami was that was that in the last ten years, fifteen years, something like that. Hmm, that's a good question. Let me find out. Somewhere in there, but um, really nice stadium. At least I enjoyed it. Uh, Catherine thought it was a little dingy, but you know it's a baseball stadium. So what what are you going to do? Uh, the only disappointment, to tell you the truth, was I'm in Miami, and I I hired uh, I hired excuse me I ordered Cuban tacos. Now, the closest you're going to get to Cuba is in Miami. There's no doubt about that. There's a huge Cuban enclave down there, lots of Cuban people. Very, very nice people, by the way. The tacos sucked. Yeah. I was really disappointed by that. Oh, so you know about this? So stadium food, I don't eat much stadium food, so it's one. It's not usually good. Well, usually you can tell how bad a team is by how good their food is. Because they, really? have, they have to distract you from how bad the team is out on the field. So if you go somewhere and they got killer food, you know that they're like Cleveland. Oh, go to a Browns game. Best food you'll ever have in your in the uh, in your life. It's so really? good. Yeah. But yeah, if you go to like the the reason why the Yankees or like the Dodgers, the reason why the Dodgers can still serve up a Dodger dog, it's garbage. It's crap. It's kind of weird gelatinous. The bun sucks. The, mm. the the hot dog is not great. It's just ketchup mustard. It's got that weird relish that just like. It squirts out of the the plastic tube. Gross. But they can sell it because the Dodgers kick ass, and everybody wants to eat, quote-unquote, a Dodger dog. But, yeah, uh, there was a reason why, especially during those few years with the Minnesota Twins where things were very dismal, kind of towards the end of Joe Maurer's career, Mm -hmm. where they were like, every year they were announcing, hey, get yourself a Bloody Mary with a hamburger on the top of it so that they could entice people to come and watch the team. Now, obviously, things have turned around, and they got a good squad on the field, but for a while there, it was uh, was catch-as-catch-can. And I looked it up. Uh, The Marlins, 2003 and 1997. Yeah, there you go, 97. Yeah, which it feels weird because, you know, when you think about, like, oh, man, Mitch Hedberg, what did he die like? Five, six years ago, you're like, no, that was like 20 years ago. That was 20, at least 20 years ago. It's crazy to think that. I yeah. Know. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're saying. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, and you go, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. The worst part of that, when you when you move on in life, you get a little bit older, the worst part of that is, yeah, so when was that? Was that like 10, 15 years ago? No, it was 25 years ago. Yeah. And then you take your life today and advance to 25 years, you'll be dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, damn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I heard some stat about the what was it the the Smashing Pumpkins when they wrote the song 1979. They wrote that in 1994. Really? So that, would, that would be 15 years after 1979. So if you wrote that song today, you'd be singing basically about like 2008. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it doesn't seem right. like that a big amount of time, you know. I know what you're saying. No question about that. But. Uh... I don't know. We'll keep an eye on on the whole situation. The Twins did uh, play a hell of a game. They were up eight to nothing after four innings. They just kicked ass the whole time. I'm a little concerned. Um, be kind of interesting to get Rocco on the show. I, I, nah, I probably wouldn't ask him this anyway. But the one problem the team has right now, and hopefully they can work it out. Both your le- your center fielder and your right fielder are not hitting at all. I think they're both hitting around like .06. I think they're hitting literally hitting like .060, uh, both of them. They're going to have to get something cooking there. Now, the reason that, that Michael A. Taylor is out there, and by the way, he's a hell of an outfielder, um, is because they don't want Buxton getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Because when he gets out there in center field, he goes very, very strong, and he gets hurt a lot that way. Uh, Taylor can play some outfield, but uh, but he, he and uh, Kepler need to start hitting that ball because there's not a whole lot going on with their bats right now. But... I don't know. Taylor, I don't think, ever was a very good hitter anyway. I, th- I think that's true. 
Hmm. But uh, th- those are a couple of things that because uh, I like them both. I think they're both terrific players, no question about. It. They're just they're just not able to get that hit right now. But I suppose when uh, the team scoring eleven runs, they don't have to worry much about that, do they? No, uh, that is the one thing they always uh, our our coaches always kind of instilled into us is, hey man, uh, you know you might be able to swing the bat and uh, score yourself a couple of runs, but don't forget defense is going to win you the games. Yeah, you know, that's right. You got to keep the other team from scoring. That's the big deal. No question about that. But yeah, had a hell of a lot of fun last night. Ran into tons and tons of people from Minnesota. I'm not kidding you. Like two thirds of the place was filled with people wearing twins hats and jerseys. Well, yeah, and especially this time of year because I imagine there's still a lot of snowbirds down there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. That guy was sitting uh, behind, but well, across the aisle and behind us, one row, was wearing a. Um, a Rams, Minnesota. They're, 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 what was it? Corey Rams? Is that how? Was that his name? Hmm, I don't know. The former Twins player. I don't think most people would, would know him. But the guy was wearing a Rams Twins jersey, and one of the the, the uh, Twins management team came down and said, "Rams saw your jersey and he wants to buy it from you." <laughs> right? Oh wow! So the guy sitting there, he goes, well, I don't really want to sell it to him, and I, I don't, didn't bring anything else to wear. Am I supposed to hit, sit here with nothing on? Mm-hmm. They came back with a jersey, a T-shirt, some shorts, some socks. They got brought an entire wardrobe out to the guy. Oh, no kidding. And he takes his shirt off. He's changing his shirt right there in the stands behind the Twins dugout. It was... It's such a baseball thing to do. You sure. know what I mean? It just that's that one sport where it's yeah, you know, he wants his jersey back. Okay, well then go get me another jersey. I'll put that one on and we'll be good to go. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Feels like a Chad Ocho Cinco move to buy the jersey off of somebody in the stands, you know? Yep, it mm-hmm. does. Ocho Cinco. Jesus. That that's was, been a while now. Oh, that guy was great, wasn't he? I love that guy. Indeed. Mm-hmm. I do understand exactly what you're saying. But, uh, yeah, it was a hell of a lot of fun to go. I want to go to a lot more Twins games this year, of course. Uh, Target Field, it's a wonderful, wonderful ba- That's one thing. We are so lucky. And that, there was nothing wrong with this uh, field last night. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, Lone Depot Field, which is kind of a lame name, I think. But, you know, Lone Depot, really? Yeah, it feels weird when they start putting the corporate names on the fields. I'm not a, I don't yeah. especially and especially when they double name it, like when you had what was it? They called it Mall of America Field at Hubert H Humphrey Metrodome. It's like right. just pick out just pick one and do it. It's not like I I really don't want to have, you know, Rocket Mortgage Court at Target Center. Like don't double it up. Just you get one name and that's it. I still love the fact it was pointed out all those years ago that the roof at the uh, the old uh, Metrodome, when the seams all came together in the middle, it formed a Nazi symbol. Oh, did it's it really? The, it was a swastika. Yeah, it would come together and it formed a swastika right at the very top of the ceiling. Oh, man. It's like, <laughs> Some guy pointed it out and it made the press. And I think we actually had him on the morning show. <laughs> but yeah, well, I couldn't deny it. It looks a lot like a... Swastika. There's no doubt about it. And I think they made some adjustments to change that. I think they did, but I don't know if I dreamt that or not. Maybe somebody would know. What is it? Nine five two six hundred twenty five seventy five. If you know, I think they altered it so it didn't look like a swastika anymore. Uh, that is 1,000% correct. I never noticed it before. Really? I'm, I'm looking at the images right now, and yes, <laughs> they, and there absolutely was a swastika on the top of the Metrodome. Uh, it did look like somebody, uh, let's see if we can find the years here, but yes, they finally did go in. Somebody went in, and they <laughs> fixed the roof so that there was no more swastika at the top of it. And that feels like, um, if you're the guy putting that roof up at some point, don't you just look at the blueprints and go, did somebody tell Bill he put a hate symbol on the <laughs> roof of our, of our, our <laughs> stadium? Somebody tell him. Wow. I remember that. It was not a big brouhaha about it, but it was it was interesting because you would look up there. I mean, the, the second you walked in, you look up and you go, why is there a swastika in the middle of the ceiling? <laughs> no, I never knew that. Oh, Lordy. Look at that thing. Yep, it's there. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. So mm-hmm. you found the picture that quickly. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yep. Did they say what year? Because it was it's still that stadium opened in what, 86, 87, something like that? Is that right? Oh, you know, I'm not sure. It must have been around that time, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I was too young. So, um, 
I think it was just no, a couple. Was, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, it was my fault. I, I spoke over you. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say, I was looking it up, and I was trying to find the year when they changed it. I, I can only find the before and after. So I, I don't get a year on it, though. It had to be earlier than that, because I do remember the first time I worked at the queue was 82, and we went to a game there. So it must open like 80, 81, something like that. Does that make sense? Hmm, let me see. I'll find out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, Early but uh, if you look at the top of U.S. Bank Stadium, Confederate flag. Didn't know that. <laughs> Probably true, actually. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. It has been voted the ugliest stadium in uh, America from it's, the outside, not inside, but outside. It's pretty bad. It's, it's pretty hideous. Yeah, not a fan. Uh, let's find out the Wikipedia here. So, uh, year it opened, operators, 1982. It was 82, yep. Yeah, there 82, you go. yeah. Yeah, because it was it just opened, and we took a, we did a thing. We used to do a thing on that show called Play Hooky Day, and then it carried over to. But when I came back in '86, uh, Hamilton and I worked on some stuff, but you know, playing Hooky Day and all that stuff. That's a lot of fun, by the way. Taking listeners to a ball game is a really good time. Sure. We should see if we could get that stuff set up. The only problem you have now with all this stuff, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be totally honest with you, right up front with you, on this whole deal. Is anytime you host anything, you are risking getting sued. Isn't that suck? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you want to throw some stuff together. So if somebody gets too drunk and ends up punching some other guy in the face, it was part of your group, and therefore it's your fault. How is it my fault that these two guys got drunk and got in a fist fight? I'm the one that gets sued because you guys acted like a-holes? I don't understand that one at all, but... That's why a lot of the fun's been taken away, because everybody sues everybody now. Mm-hmm. No fun of any kind, damn it. Yeah, that's that's a lot of it is the insurance to try to get yep. somebody to yep. underwrite the fact that you want to go out and do a live podcast or have a show or bring people together. And then is there going to be beer sold? Well, then, hey, man, yep. you're going to be oh, yeah. quadrupling the amount of insurance that you need. And isn't it like millions of dollars insurance you need just to cover like a personal appearance where people will be drinking? Yeah, yeah. Unless there's Crazy. like, unless there's a situation where like, uh, I think that's why the guys from Score North, like Judd and Phil, they can go out and broadcast live at the golf show. Yeah, because there's already an insurance policy that is. Yep. So you kind of have to do the turducken and move yourself into a thing that's already there. Where yeah. if we just wanted to go out and just, hey, we're just going to be down at the Varsity Theater doing a live podcast, they'd be like, all right, well now you got to go out and get the insurance, and that's where you get hosed. Well, like this fall, I'd like to go take some people down, maybe uh, get some listeners to take them down to Treasure Island. I love doing shows down there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I suppose you got you to gotta go to venues that are already covered, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the big thing. Uh, looking back on it, April 3rd, just yesterday, 1982, that would have been the anniversary mm-hmm. of the Metrodome opening. See? So, so close. And I believe it was the first game. God, I can't remember who it was, but he hit a, a pop-up so high, it went through a hole in the ceiling and I believe stayed there till he tore the place down. <laughs> Seriously, it went right through a hole in the roof. Then, you know, the vent, vent kind of hole, not an actual hole, but a, a vent hole. Sure. Went right up through that. Be- who the hell was it that hit that again? God, I can't remember. Mike? No, just can't remember. Again, 952 600 25, 75, you know I don't because I'm, I'm too dim. That's the problem. Yeah. Hmm. I, I'm try, I'll try to find it for you for sure. Not a big deal. I never get to read these, so I want to read these today. Five random facts for a Tuesday. I never get to read these, and I usually like them. We'll find if I still like them. Uh, here's some random facts for you. Brooks Brothers is the oldest apparel brand in America. I never knew that. There are 20 countries in the world with no rivers. Did you know that? Mm, no. I never even heard of that. Uh, Brooks Brothers is the oldest apparel brand in America. It was founded by Henry Sands Brooks in Manhattan in 1818, more than 200 years ago. I had no idea Brooks Brothers was 200 years old. Not a clue. Have you ever owned a Brooks Brothers suit? I was going to say, I don't think I've ever even heard of them. Oh, yeah, they were a big time until, well, I don't even know. When I was a kid, they were a big deal. A Brooks Brothers suit was definitely a big deal. But I don't know what kind of... Well, I suppose that when you've been... The doors have been open for two, 203, uh, 205 years, I suppose. You're going you're gonna to have periods where you fade, sure. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. There are 20 countries in the world with no rivers. Saudi Arabia is by far the biggest with 830,000 square miles, and there are zero rivers. Where do they get their water to drink? That's a good question. Yeah. 
I mean, seriously, where the hell do you get water to drink if you have no rivers? Jesus. Uh, it's Saudi Arabia. They probably fly in Evian. Yeah, let's probably just pay for it, have it flown in. Mm-hmm. Kenneth Branagh was the first person to be nominated for an Oscar in five different categories. Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Live Action Short Film. I really do like him a lot. I really do. You enjoy his movies? I don't think I know him that well. Um, yeah, you'd know him. You'd like him. What, what, do you know some of the stuff offhand, what he was in? Oh, God, not, not, not offhand. Okay. I don't remember. I'll take a look Really real good, though. The I chart with the E on top is called the Snellen chart. It's named after an ophthalmologist from the Netherlands named Herman Snellen who created it in 1862. See, now they throw that in there, five random facts. That one's pretty lame. (laughs) I'm sorry. Sure. You know. Uh, The people of Adak, Alaska, are further from a Starbucks than anyone in America. The closest one is approximately 1,000 miles away in Kodiak, Alaska. So Adak to Kodiak, 1,000 miles. Huh. Uh, What the Uh, hell? See, now I know I don't read the random facts on the air. Kind of lame, actually. There, yeah, there's a couple in here, though. Now that I, I look this guy up, Kenneth Brana, is that what, how you yeah. pronounce his name? So, yep. Murder on the Orient Express. Great. In- yeah, great. Incredible movie. Death on the Nile. He did Hamlet, yep. Harry Potter, Thor? Like, I, this guy's been all over. Oh, he was in Tenet as well. I don't know if you ever saw that, yep. but oh, what a great movie that was. Yeah, he's, a ter- he's terrific. Yeah. No, no getting around. He's very, very good. Mm-hmm. You know, this is going to be kind of tough because I watched the TV news this morning and everybody was just nonstop bitching. And we're being kind of social and friendly. It's going to ruin the show. <laughs> we're going to see numbers start to dip. Uh, we're going to have to like get some MMA fighters in here and start throwing fists to, uh, to bring, bring people back. You'll get no argument from me. Yeah. Why? Once in a while, just every 10 minutes you go, why, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Just throw it out there, just you know. throw it out there. Yeah. I just settle down, everybody. Settle down. Yeah, Kenneth Branagh, you, you would love him. You'd know. And uh, are you looking at a picture of him right now? Yeah, absolutely. Good looking dude. What a jawline. Yeah. This guy's a tough guy for sure. So you do, you do recognize him? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that's probably the case, that situation there. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just. I've always liked him from the first. I think the first time I did see him what was the first one you mentioned again because I think that was the first one I ever saw. Murder on the Orient Express. Could be. Yeah. I don't. I'm not. I don't. Not really sure. But yeah. Does a terrific job. There's no question about that. This I don't know if I can handle because uh, we're coming up on Easter. Easter is this Sunday, correct? Mm-hmm. Peeps contain a known carcinogen. <laughs> well, that's really great news just before Easter, now, isn't it? Did you? I had no idea there was a carcinogen in Peeps. No, and there's also like a sadness to them too. Have you ever eaten one? They're terrible. They're awful. I, I, I'm not a fan. Awful. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand. I like marshmallows, and I guess I like little sugary stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't. For some reason, those are just ugh. If you celebrate Easter by scarfing down packages of Peeps, you're probably not too worried about nutrition. Nothing good can come from Peeps passing through your digestive system. I suppose not. Consumer Reports is reminding parents that Peeps contain a known carcinogen. It's artificial coloring red dye number three. So are people... Well, isn't America one of the only countries left in the world that actually sells things with red dye number three in it? I believe so. There's a couple in there that have been deemed to be pretty bad for you, and we still hawk it. Yeah. Yep, and I do think we're one of the only countries in the world that still does that. So peeps are poisoning kids, uh, maybe, but red dye number three is in thousands of food products and is allowed by the FDA despite being banned from use in lipsticks and other cosmetics. The company that makes peeps says all their products are in compliance with FDA regulations and all ingredients are listed on the packaging. Red dye number three is in purple and pink colored peeps. The FDA has not commented. Yeah, why Why do we still allow red dye? Because my, my daughter will not allow her children to eat anything with red dye number three in it. She just won't allow it. That's good. I would imagine. Yeah, it is a good thing. There's no doubt about that. We need to take a break. Come right. Ethan Nagel will join us. Uh, what a story this man has. No question about it. How'd you track this guy down? Him and I have just been friends. And then one night, we, oh. were at a, we were at a wedding one night, and he just started telling me his story. And I'm like, this is the most amazing, fascinating thing I've ever heard. And I've had him on my podcast a few times. And I, I don't know why somebody hasn't optioned his life for a movie yet. I mean, this, he, this would easily be turned into something big because he's a very fascinating guy. And wait till you hear his story. I cannot wait to hear his story. We'll be right back in a couple of minutes. Ethan Nagel will join us right after this in the Tom Bernard Show. When you need someone to listen, 
A lawyer you know and trust. If you've never been in an auto accident, it's hard to know what to expect from the insurance adjuster. Here are some tips. One, if they talk to you about whether or not you should hire a lawyer, it's a good sign that you probably should. Two, it's illegal for them to give you any legal advice. They aren't lawyers and they aren't licensed to practice law. Three, if they tell you that everyone involved in the accident is at fault, they're wrong. This comes from the belief that you're at fault for just being on the road. That's nonsense and not supported by any law. Finally, remember that friendly adjusters are often just gaining information. They want you to do most of the talking so they can file their report. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision. But if you are, don't sign anything until you've talked to us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Seeking justice for the injured. Do you ever Google yourself? Are you happy with what you find? Or is it cringy? Are you a business owner or on your company's marketing team? How do you feel when you Google your own place? What do you see? A non-updated social media page you don't even remember making? Ads for your competitors? An old school website with outdated information? Hubbard Interactive can help. They can do it all for your business. They're a Google Premier Partner, so they can use search engine optimization to get your click results higher. They can build a 21st century website for you that communicates all the right things all the best ways. They've got a photo and video department to make your business look sharp, plus social media, influencer marketing, podcasting, and more. All the things that will make you a lot happier next time you Google yourself. Here's a Google search that you'll find rewarding. Hubbard Interactive. You can see all the marketing tools they've used on hundreds of successful businesses, including an extensive gallery of the great work they could help your venture with. HubbardInteractive.com. Building campaigns that connect. Honey, come here, quick. What is it? Shh, check it out. The prices on all these highly rated tequilas are amazing. Total Wine must have made a mistake. Nope, they always have the best deals in town. Remember that amazing reposado your sister brought over last week? See, it's right here. Whoa, that's a low price. I mean, whoa, that's a low price. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine and More. Drink responsibly, B21. Natalia, solid dismount, but that little pause is a deduction. Top tumblers hope to stick the landing with Coach Jasmine. That aerial sequence still needs work. She needs more certified athletic trainers to find her balance. Focus, I'm going to need you for the all-around. Wait, who's spotting the vault? Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Very, very special guest, Ethan Nagel, joining us. Ethan, how are you this morning? Doing great, doing great. It's an honor to be on uh, your show. I was, uh, I was talking with Rudy, and it's uh, I listened to you growing up for how to 15, 20 years, and so I told my dad last night, I was like, I'm going on the Tom Bernard Show. So it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me on. All right, I'm going to fall apart. Way to go, Ethan. You made me feel too good. <laughs> Just how it is. I'm going to stay the hell out of the way of this one because you two guys know one another. I want to hear all about it. Uh, I will do an introduction, and I just want to hear the stories because this stuff fascinates me. Became an, inf- an infantryman and deployed to Iraq in 2006. Became a scout sniper and returned to Iraq 2007-2008. Awarded the Purple Heart and Silver Star. Helped assist and coordinate the evacuation of families from Afghanistan during the fall of Kabul. You know what, Ethan? Get off your ass and help somebody, will you? <laughs> Come on. Helped coordinate the evacuation of orphans from south-central Ukraine during the opening weeks of war in March of 2022. Current freelance cinematographer and host of the upcoming Nine Line podcast for veteran company nine line apparel ethan i do want to turn it over to you and rudy because you two guys know one another these stories um people like you where in your mind where did it come from ethan was it uh, somebody in your family was it your whole family how did you get to be who you are absolutely um i always you know growing up my uh, grandparents were both marines and uh, my parents were obviously a big inspiration for me. I know that's uh, as I get older, I understand I'm, I was pretty fortunate, you know, to have uh, both my parents were very driven. You know, we 
came from, you know, very poor and then they worked their way up, you know, through the system, you know, without college degrees back in the, in the trades and, and just worked their ass off. And, and I took a lot of inspiration from that, but growing up, they were very supportive. And, uh, and through the years, um, I was always just kind of driven to do more and more things just like in sports or whatever. And I was a fat kid too, though. So it wasn't like, I wasn't the all-star. I was just a big cat that just loved putting, you know, my heart and soul into everything. And, um, and then, uh, a big part of it was uh, uh, wrestling. I always bring it back to high school wrestling was mm-hmm. the the big catalyst for me. Um, I went in eighth grade. I was three hundred and like ten pounds, so I was huge in eighth grade. In eighth grade, yeah. whoa! So I w- yeah, I was massive. So you, and it, but I was athletic, so it was weird. And um, so I go. My buddy invites me to the high school wrestling. Uh, like basically, it's a small school at the time. It was Lutheran High School in Minnehaha Academy, mm, and yeah. immediately. It was very dungeon. It was like we were in this like crazy, you know, um, uh, room that was supposed to be like a janitor's closet, but they basically stuck wrestling mats in there. And that that was a huge catalyst. But even before that, my grandparents were Marines, and I always wanted to become a Marine. Um, my grandfather uh, on my dad's side fought in World War II in the Pacific um, on a on a aircraft carrier, uh, shooting down Japanese pilots. And he was a he was a, a gunner, like a pom pom gunner, and an aircraft. And then my mother's side, uh, my grandfather was a Marine in Korea and so those always kind of stuck with me and then I was a you know I liked films and and always was drawn to the the war films but then it's kind of figure out you're drawn to the the warrior's story and then you know the way of life and the hero's journey so um that was kind of the big catalyst um all coming together at once and then in eighth grade I I joined wrestling and then my my coach Jimmy Mosloff he he was a big fan of the u of m style wrestling and he just hammered us i'm just had there was no mercy you know mm-hmm. like and and it, i loved it i loved it i thought just like I, it was just like i was dropping like like five six pounds a day you know especially when you're like 13 you know your emotions are all running high like i'm clearly you know i was i was taller too i mean i was a lot taller for my age but you know i, I got photos that it's just wild you're like oh man you know i look like i'm in my 20s because i'm you know 310 pounds and i end up dro- Buying, yeah, you're buying chewing tobacco for the yeah, rest yeah, of the team because yeah, yeah. you're 13 and look like you're in your 30s. Yeah. yeah, I was in eighth grade. Somebody thought I was like this one kid was mine. I'm like I'm 13 years old. This is not my kid. And um, anyways, but yeah, so they um, he just pushed harder and harder. And then the the ethos ethos of wrestling, and then you know all the discipline that comes with it. Like I took it to heart. You know, um, it was more I designed it. You know, or I took it. To, and applied it to life, you know, like instead of just not in the wrestling room, but also in life, like, hey, set your goals. So from like eighth grade on, you know, stuff that people see now on social media, you know, I was fortunate enough to be exposed to that when I was 13, which was like, set your goals, you know, one year, five year, 10 year, where do you see yourself? You know, what weights, you know, like everything from like, you know, I want to be a better person. I was like, I was getting shitty grades. Boom. I started like, hey, work harder, be smarter. You know, I'm not the smartest cat in the room, but I'll be, I'll be the hardest worker in the room, you know? And, um, you know, and so I just applied all that. And then that's where it kind of really started, like all the, uh, and then I just, it just took off with wrestling and then really focused on that and then dropped a hundred pounds within about a year and a half. So, and then just, you know, uh, you know, that's, yeah, I guess, guess that's where it starts. <laughs> that's yeah. kind of where the inspiration comes from and, and the discipline and everything. But yeah. And then, um, I, uh, I was, it's fun to tell a story. I'm, I'm glad I'm talking to you too. Cause, uh, I haven't, this is kind of the last year or two is when I started talking about my story on other podcasts, especially mm-hmm. with the silver star mm-hmm. and military service. But the, um, one of the things I always say is, uh, I, my goal was to make it to state. That was it. I didn't want to be state champion. I didn't care about anything. It was just, just go to state. And I trained for five years for six minutes. So I kind of applied that to life. It's like, how long do you want to train for that one mm-hmm. moment? And even in war, you train for that moment. You train for months, weeks, years, and the experiences that you have all come down to one moment. You know, it's do or, do or die, or you rise to the occasion, or you don't. You know, and, um, you know, training for five years for six minutes, that was the only time in five years of all the pain and misery and finally getting to the, you know, state tournament. And I was like, I made it. I'm fine. Like, I'm cool. <laughs> like, I don't care to go any further than this. But I, it was the only six minutes ever that I was never nervous on the mat because I had met my goal and that was, it was over. Like my high school career was over. I was a senior in high school. I'd signed the contract for the Marine Corps already. And, you know, so I kind of was just apply that to life, you know? And, um, 
you know, always working to the next goal and stay disciplined and, you know, and integrity, you know, do the right thing when no one's looking and, and just keep pushing forward. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've brought this up with many employers that if you see somebody who has a wrestling background, I don't give a shit what college they've gone to. doesn't matter what their parents did. If you see somebody who was a wrestler in high school and they wrestled for more than a season, if it was like what they did in high school, hire that person. They got grit, they got integrity, they bust their ass, and they know what it takes to get stuff done. So why is it that at the end of the senior year, I mean, obviously you probably could have gone on and done something collegiately. Why did you decide the Marine Corps? And not only that, but you signed on at a time, this is 2005, we're four years past 9-11. The world is kind of in shambles. Why did you decide to go into the Marines? You know, it was the same thing with the the warrior mindset and and watching movies and the hero's journey and all that stuff. It was and then my grandparents and and I just I is I wanted to go to war. I wanted to prove myself. Like it was just one of those things. Like the generations before us did that, you know. And and even um, you know, and it was it was the height. I mean, it was 2003 was the, the Iraq invasion, and you know, 2001 we had uh, 9/11. So both Iraq and Afghanistan were going on at the same time. And it was just it was nerve wracking though. I mean, it wasn't like. And nothing against guys that are joining now, but you join now, it sucks. You go away from home, you know, but you're, you're, you'll deploy, but you're, you're not going into combat zones anymore. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was just like, holy shit. Like, this is real. Like, this yeah. is very real. Um, highly emotional. You know, you're 18 years old, you know, emotional teenager. And, um, yeah, it, it was one of those things where I just wanted to prove myself. And I also, my parents knew I was going to join because I, I had gotten these dog tags when I was in eighth grade, you know, made at the USS Lexington when my grandfather served on the ship. Mm-hmm. It was like a museum. And, and um, you know, I read, I saw his photos and, and um, he died when I was in second grade. So I'd never heard the stories, but my dad, t- you know, told his the story, very few stories that he told to him. So I was like, well, this is the time. You know, we're in the middle of a war, you know, two wars, um, you know, now's the time to join and, and prove yourself and, 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 you know, go forward with this journey. And, and I was never a lifer. Like I was like, I'm signing my contract. In fact, I went to the recruiter and I'd seen a bunch of the old platoon movies and everything. And I was like, uh, do you guys have any of those, uh, two year contracts where I can just like <laughs> go deploy? And the guy looks yeah. at me, he goes, this isn't Vietnam. And I was like, I am 17. I, I have no context. Like, don't be a dick, man. Like I'm already signing the papers. Yeah. Like I'm just, you know, um, but yeah, I, uh, I looked at USC film school cause I wanted to be a filmmaker and, um, right away I was like, yeah, you know, I could go to college and then maybe become an officer, but it just didn't feel right. You know, it was one of those things where you're like, no, this is the time you got, you know, whether you're ready or not, you got to, you got to do it, mm-hmm. you know, and you never feel like you're ready ever, you know, um, you can be prepared as much as you can, but when you're going into the fight, you just got to go, you know, that's yeah. just how it is. And, um, yeah, so I went in Oh five and we, we were, I mean, it was, it was the height of the war. We, I got in July of five and I was boots on ground in March of 06, which is one of the fastest turnarounds. I think there was two other guys that were ahead of me that were replacements that got there a month after I did, you know, or that were, you know, that were faster, you know, that just, they got to boot camp in like August and they managed to deploy with me. Uh, there was a group of about 10 of us. We got stationed on Hawaii and then we, uh, got shot over to, uh, Al Ambar province in the Haditha triad. And that, uh, deployment really rocked us. Um, and it really set the bar pretty high for pain, misery. And, and where exactly you know. is that? So that was in uh, El Ambar. It's, I believe it was on the Euphrates River. Okay. Um, and it was a triad. So there's three different uh, cities that we were in. We were in Barwana, Haklania, and Hathadi. Okay. And Haditha. So here's yeah. how dumb I am. Where's the Euphrates River? <laughs> oh, Iraq. Sorry, <laughs> okay, no, Iraq. Sorry. Deployed to Iraq. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was Iraq 06. And that was pre-surge. That was, you know, at the very, it was pr- really nasty. Um, we were getting slammed with a... Uh, uh, indirect fire so a lot of artillery like not artillery but 120 millimeter mortars uh we're in the middle of a city so we're completely cut off from like any major bases you know and um you know we took a lot of ied strikes ied hits i was dismounted i like and i was getting hit by like dismounted ieds so like we're just patrolling and getting hit with ieds and um firefights you know and um it was it was just it was wild and it was miserable because we were in 120 degree heat you know we're 13 guys to the size of you know this you know by like a 15 by 15 room Mm -hmm. you know 13 marines no ac or if the ac did work it would cut out um you know drinking piss hot water 
because there's just no the supplies would come in like once a week maybe mm -hmm. you know and that's when we get our letters and for them to do a supply run like they would get hit with IEDs every time they come down so it was like a big deal when we get mail when we get supplies when we get food when we get water you know um, and how old are you at this time 19 uh, yeah I turned 19 on the plane to Iraq or to Kuwait so you go you stage in Kuwait and then you go into Iraq so I left Hawaii I think it was like midnight. I think we left like March 12th, like 12. I can't remember. And then I, we flew to Minneapolis, which was heart wrenching. So we went oh, from Hawaii oh, no. to Minneapolis and then they fucking staged us. I'm oh, sorry. Can I swear on here? I'm sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> if we try to stay away from okay, it, but yeah, everything else is good. Yeah, You're yeah, good though. Yeah. Don't worry that. about no, it. That's I'm why you, we do it on digital. Used, yeah. 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 I'm used to other podcasts where sure. everybody's yeah. dropping the F bomb. But yeah. Uh, so we, we land and then, um, you know, we're just, it's just like my family is 20 minutes away from the airport and we couldn't see them, mm. you know, and we already oh. said our goodbyes. And then, and so we got back on the plane and then we flew to, I believe it was Germany and then yeah, Ireland, I can't remember. They all blur together. And then, and then into Kuwait and it was like, I hit it. the time zones just right or whatever it was. And I turned 19 and you know, like three different countries. Man, it, t Tom and I both were in Disneyland over the last month, and I don't know if you saw that. I literally, Tom, I saw that. I saw yeah, that. when I was in Disneyland, I watched a 19-year-old lose his mind because he couldn't get a granola bar open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And here you are, out yeah. getting in firefights in Iraq. That's insane. Yeah, it was uh, It was very, and that, that just set a standard, and, and it, you know, like that threshold in your life, like you can always go back to like how hard things can really get, and that was really, really one of the, I always go back to that, right? That and wrestling, ironically. Like I always mm -hmm. say, a lot of stuff comes back to wrestling and, and then the, the discipline and the misery of cutting weight and like pushing yourself as hard as you can. And Iraq was just one of those as well. Is you know, it, it was it was so hot. It, you know, we wouldn't, you know, constantly be on the verge of dehydration. You get into a firefight and you're on it, you know, you hadn't slept for thirty six hours, now you're in a fight, and then your water runs out, and then you gotta go back to the FOB, which is sorry, forward operating base. And then you'd reach your hand into the, into the, uh, into the, to the ice to try to get some cold water. Nothing's there because the people already there drank it all. And you like, and I mean, I'm, I think that's a very specific memory where like, I was the, like the few times in my life where I've literally like almost broken down and like wanted to punch mm. like a wall. Oh. <laughs> it was like, I reached my hand into a, like hoping, knowing that most likely this was going to be, it was be disappointed just for a cold bottle of water. I couldn't get a cold bottle of water. Sure. You know, and, um. Yeah, we were just constantly being uh, mortared. Um, you know, we had a round go right through my right where I slept, right in right through the door, and you know, hit a few of my friends. Thank God they survived, but you know, I had their blood like a foot away from my rack. You know, so where I slept, and it's just that's the you know what we did, and that's what you know that was you know normal for us. Sure. And then, uh, yeah, and then um, we actually lost my friends in the last week uh, we were there. So that was very, it sucked. We'd gotten that far into the deployment and the, the you know, the guys that we were, that was killed in our company, they got, were killed in the last week. Oh. And then, um, then we came home and then we were, you know, very, I don't, you know, I wouldn't say vengeful, but we were definitely ready to go back and get some. So we, sure. we worked right back up into it uh, within a week after I got back, I tried out for scout snipers. And I was like, hey, they're the best in the battalion. You know, I was told when I was a wrestler, if you want to be the best, go where the best are. Yeah. So. Is it true that they, the Marines tend to take kids from the Midwest, especially Minnesota, Wisconsin, because we've grown up around guns and we're, we're much more skilled when it comes to rifles? Yeah, typically the, the Marines will take anywhere they can get. But that being said, though, the infantry, <laughs> <laughs> that being said, though, the infantry, the, a lot of the wrestlers, the Midwest guys do do really well. You yeah. Know? Um, it's just miserable. Like, I mean, there's no perks to being a Marine other than just the title, like, you know, and, and um, but especially in those years, you know, it was, you know, when you just needed that discipline, you needed that hard work work ethic and uh, especially if you were going to you know excel further uh, beyond the infantry so yeah so then i um try out for the for the scout sniper uh platoon and uh was accepted and then continued to get hazed for 30 days and then got the chance to go to scout sniper school and at the couple time of, oh go ahead sorry no a couple of quick things ethan i was just uh, looking look at talking to ethan nagel ladies and gentlemen uh, about what that world is like. Um, my oldest brother, Terry, was a United States Marine Corps veteran five years during the Vietnam conflict. They called it the conflict back then, <laughs> sure. I remember. Yep, yep. Okay, so uh, I witnessed this about 5,000 times when he came back from Vietnam. Every time he would meet somebody else, if they were in the Army, Navy, Air Force, 
Coast Guard, whatever, his response always was, yeah, you guys do a great job. (laughs) (laughs) Ethan, (laughs) Ethan, have you ever done that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. We had a a conversation about that one time because we were were at a wedding once and I was like, hey, you guys should know each other. You guys are in the the same, uh, you guys are military guys. And Ethan's like, I'm a military guy. That guy pushes papers. There's a big difference between the two of us. No, yeah, we... uh, Phenomenal. Yeah, that's that's how it is. There's a lot of uh, uh, branch rivalry, and uh, Marine Corps is definitely. And everybody looks at. And the thing is, is it's it's true. And uh, you know, um, the Marine Corps is just more disciplined. Uh, Their standards are much higher across the board. Way more miserable. Way more. You know, like it just. A lot of Marines after they're either go through. I joined the National Guard later on. Like you know, like after you go through the worst of it, you're like Army. That sounds great. You know, like they promote me. They pay more. You know, like. I know guys that like went to the air forces, like this is awesome, you know, like, and they love that though too. Like the army, as much as they give us shit um, and we give them shit. Oh, sorry. I'm swearing. Are you good? Um, you can say that. that We're good. Yeah. And uh, they, they, they love it when Marines come over, especially uh, Marine infantry going into army infantry, huge. And a lot Mm -hmm. of Marine infantry go into army special forces. So you go to SF teams, half of them are stacked with former Marine Corps, scout snipers, former Marine recon, former Marine infantry, um, all that stuff. Um, And so they they love it when it come over. You know, like I said, it's just, it's rivalry, but they, they know... Um, the discipline and like we'll, we'll be like wait minute, you guys don't do that and they're like no why would you ever do that and we're like oh we do it's a discipline thing you know and sure. like, who cares <laughs> you know okay so who's the so. who's the biggest pusses out of all of them then air force <laughs> yeah. um, you didn't even hesitate well that would but here's the thing though no one they are but we love everyone loves them though so yeah. they, you know they're the weakest ones but you protect them because they're like they have all the money and they're the nicest people like sure. they know it like when I was in Afghanistan the air force were the best because they were just like, hey, you want to come use our MWR? Oh, hey, do you want to come? Hey, come come hang out with. Hey, you guys need the supply. Like, they went out of their way. They're basically civilians in military clothing, like without being oh. in like the National Guard. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're they are awesome. They're incredibly smart. You know, they know they're the weakest, or you know, I won't say weakest. They know they're the easiest branch. You know, they know that. Sure. Like, they know they're like, all right, we're like half, you know, half one, you know, one foot in, one foot out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, basically, you can actually get credentials and college training while you're there. Oh. You know, yeah. all that kind of. Stuff. Speaking of National Guard, you did National Guard for a couple of years. And yes. you did it. You did it right at the. It seems like you have a per chance to do things at the worst times ever because you <laughs> went National Guard right when Minneapolis decided to burn half the city down. Yes. So I was in from technically 2012 to 2022, but I didn't start reporting until 2014. Okay. Um, so I yeah I, I came back from Kuwait, uh, did a you know a, a chill little deployment to Kuwait from 2018 to 2019, and then um, came back. Uh, and then moved into our new house, COVID hit, and I was like, all right, cool, whatever. And then the riots kicked off. And so, yeah, we were part of the riots. I was at division headquarters uh, running missions into the city um, to with the general. To, to You know, I was his general's PSD in Kuwait, so I ended up becoming the general's PSD. And what's a PSD? Uh, personal security detail. Okay. Um, for those, I think it was like a week and a half. Okay. And so my buddies were in the infantry, though, and they had gone back to infantry units after we got back from Kuwait just for National Guard, you know, like one week in a month stuff. And they got activated to downtown and they were patrolling South Minneapolis and they were it was wild. It was it was crazy um, to go down there. And it, it was, you know, I, I went down with my wife before we got we got called up so that I think it was like what's Friday night or mm-hmm. something like that. And that was insane because. I was like, man, I haven't seen this since like Afghanistan, Iraq, like the smell of burnt vehicles and buildings and like diesel. And then, um, we got called up and this is so, but at that point though, in the context of everything, it had reached that point where there was weapons caches in between the buildings. And these are like, I'm getting text messages from like friends. Like they're, they're like, we don't know who's putting these, you know, I'm sure it was Antifa or whatever, but it had gotten so bad. We got called up. It was the most proficient I've ever seen the U.S. military run. Like, swear to God. Like, it was, we show up. They're like, you can go here, go here, go here, sign your card. Got it. Boom, boom, boom. And, you know, and then they're like, go to this classroom. They, it runs every 30 minutes. It's your safety brief. And so people just cycle through. And then they're like, here's your body armor here, whatever. So we're in the safety brief. And I had known guys that were cops. We were, we were, you know, I have friends that are cops. There was, I know there was a state patrol that got hit with an explosive device. They didn't really talk about it much on the news. And I knew guys that my buddies that were cops were getting shot at. They're like, it's a miracle that none of us were got killed. Wow. Like, and um, so they were getting shot at on the street. 
And so when I got there, I said, what's our rules of engagement? Like, you know, cause I go immediately back to combat mentality and they go, you're going to receive 60 rounds of ammunition. And if you feel threatened, you're cleared hot to engage. And I was like, wow. Like I was, that's, I haven't heard that in 10 years, 15 years. <laughs> and <laughs> and that, this is in your hometown. This is a hometown. Yeah. Oh. But it was, but it was kind of, it was, but it had gotten to that point. I think what, when people try to downplay the riots, I was like, no, 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 it was that bad. You know, like, I'm not, you know, and if someone wants to throw a cocktail at us, well, then we're going to put them down like a mm -hmm. Molotov cocktail. Like if that's going to mm -hmm. happen, we're going to put them down. Like I'm not, I'm not messing around. I'm not the state police. I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm not a SWAT riot person. Like I'm, the, I'm not here for that. So, um, you know, so that was probably one of the most eye-opening experiences, you sure. know, it was like, wow, this is nuts that, you know, it's come to this. Obviously it didn't, you know, yeah. thank, thank God we didn't, we didn't want to do that by any means, you know, mm -hmm. you don't want to do that. You want to see everyone just go home and, and whatnot. So they deployed us that night because it gotten that bad and they believed our intelligence reports were coming back. We're like, they're going to move into the, into the homes. So they're going to go off of Lake street. They burned everything down on Lake street. And then the next intelligence reports were saying they're going to move into the homes. They're going to sure. start going home to house to house. Oh, man. And so that's when I think the panic button was hit. Now that's what I was hearing on my end. You know that I don't know what the hires. You know what I mean? Even though I'm at division headquarters, you just it's the military. You know, rumor mills kick up and all this other stuff. But I do remember that was one of the things. They're like, we have to get, be deployed. If we don't, they're going to move into the into the homes. And so, and then innocent people who are just trying to be, stay in their home are going to get hurt. And that's the reason why. One of the big reasons why they they hit the panic button. Man. And we were deployed within hours. Like it was. Like I said, it's the most proficient I've ever seen the military move. Um, yeah. And then we proceeded to be out there for about a week and then, and then it calmed down. Everything was fine. But my buddies, it was pretty funny. They, uh, they were patrolling the streets and, uh, they were telling me about it <laughs> and they, they'd come around a corner and they'd back up the cops, you know, mm -hmm. and they, they'd be yelling at the cops and then they would turn the corner and then they get, they would, they would shout, they would apologize so they'd be like, oh, it's the National Guard. We're sorry. And then like, Whoa. look out. Because they meant, they meant business. They're like, yeah. you know, like, hey, man, we don't want to be here either. Like, you know. So, but yeah, that was the, that was 2020. That was pretty wild. I can't believe we've talked for a half hour already. And we oh, haven't wow. even brought up the fact that you have, are, were awarded the Purple Heart and the Silver Star. And then your work in Ukraine during the Russian invasion. Like, there's so much, man. It's so much. I'm just so, I told you, Tom, the guy is fascinating. Is he not? No question. Matter of fact, I wanted to point this out to Ethan and how special that is, because uh, I read the same thing just now, Rudy. Uh, my father-in-law, Donald Brandt, just died about three, four months ago. I never knew this because he never brought it up. He won everything except for the Congressional Medal of Honor. You understand how important that is because you've oh, done yeah. the same thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we went through all his stuff as he was dying, and we found the Purple Heart, and we found the Silver Star, and we found the all, I'm the, literally the only thing he didn't win was the Congressional Medal of Honor. So the fact that you were awarded the Purple Heart and the Silver Star makes you very, very special, Ethan. Oh, thank you. I, pre I appreciate it. I, it's, you know, it is, uh, and, and like I said, uh, uh, you know, us in the Marine Corps. Now I wanted to bring this up because you said your 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 brother is a, a Marine from Vietnam, and mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and uh, we looked up to those guys like we did. And I think that sure. was something that we had learned, you know, while we were in training. And um, those guys were legends to us, you know, because they were still some of the most the guys that were they were living. And then they could tell us the stories on how we could actually fight, especially in a counterinsurgency. And you know, obviously they got a, a pretty raw deal when they came back home. So we always held those guys up on a, on oh, a yeah. high pedestal because the stuff that they saw was just wild it is insane and um but yeah it's uh you know it was an honor to be nominated um to even be nominated um there's a lot of i shouldn't say politics involved but you know it's uh there wasn't a lot of valor awards awarded during the G, what we call the GWAT, the Global War on Terrorism, which was Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. In fact, it wasn't until about 10 years in that Congress did a, an investigation. They're like, why is there no one being awarded the Medal of Honor and these higher awards? Uh, Silver Star, uh, Service Cross, Medal of Honor. So all three of those, they can't all be interchanged. They sometimes can be, but they kind of all live in that that area or in that bubble that mm -hmm. they, they, you know, it takes a lot to get them approved. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, an honor to be nominated and then, uh, you know, just a bigger honor to be awarded, you know, and for, you know, the guys that I, I serve with alongside that I fought alongside, you know, they deserve it just as much, you know, it, it, because they were, they were fighting alongside with me. Sure. And, um, 
you know, it, it was, uh, it was crazy. It was, uh, it was a, it was a crazy day, you know, we say, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, um, yeah, it's, uh, um, I haven't talked about it much. In fact, I didn't even open up about it much, uh, till about probably 15 years later. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was awarded. So it happened in 2009 and then 2013 it was awarded cause the Navy lost it, like just lost the award. They didn't know where it went. And my dad had dug it up. Um, my team leader had told my dad, Hey, uh, you know, I, I've nominated Ethan for this award. And so he was aware of it. And if a few years pass, you know, and I'm like, whatever, you know, like I'm not a, not a metal chaser. It's just, is what it is. Sure. You know? And, um, and so my dad con- contacted our, our state rep and then they contacted the Navy and the Navy's like, yep, yeah, we have it. Sorry. We lost it. Oh. <laughs> don't, uh, please don't bring this up on the news or anything like that. It, within like a few days, they're like, yep, here it is. And it's completely signed off on. Wow. They just, somebody just sat on someone's desk and never went any further. And so then within a week or two, they were contacting me and then they have a big ceremony and, and they assign people to you, you know, and, and whatnot. And yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, like I said, it's, uh, yeah, it was an honor to be nominated, and, and, and you know, and, and a big, even, even bigger honor to be awarded it. So, you know, it's it's great to hear about your your father in law. You know, because that's a, that's a big deal. You it know, is a it's, huge deal. It's huge silver star, especially mm-hmm. back in in the like, not not to taking away from the when the guys that I serve with or, or anything, but back in those days, the Medal of Honor runs or the Silver Star runs, like you're just like they they're just they blur the lines are blurred. You know, like they're. Sure. They're taking on, you know, three, four, five hundred guys, you know, on the stories that we read. We're like, what? You know, just <laughs> absolute bravery. So that's I, com- I commend them. That's amazing. Yeah, Ethan, yeah. you're going to have to come back sometime. And could, next time, could you, like, contribute something when you call in? <laughs> <laughs> Ethan, you're the best, man. You, put, oh, you should you pick better friends, though. Really? You're friends with Rudy? What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, hey, we got set, uh, we got put together at a table at a wedding. Trust me, if yeah. he would have oh. known him before, he would have been like, I, I'm not sitting next to the guy. It was There was one extra table, and because I travel alone, I got set at his yeah. table. So, yeah, so yeah. it's definitely a one-sided friendship. But, dude, you're no, the best. No, I'm so, so glad you came on. No, today. I appreciate. It. Thank you so much for having me on. It was it was great. I love it. It was awesome. Thank you. It was great hearing from you. Thank you for your service. And uh, man, we need a lot more people like you, Ethan. No oh, doubt. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, sir. We do have to take a break. Be right back. Right after this, Tom Bernard show. The warmer weather is just around the corner. I promise. If you want the best lawn on the block, you've got to go with my friends at ProTurf, a Minnesota lawn care company since 1982. ProTurf has service techs with over 20 years of experience who service the same routes, so they get to know your lawn and will customize a fertilizer and weed control plan that is environmentally safe and guaranteed for superior results. Schedule a free in-person lawn care analysis and estimate at ProfessionalTurf.com. And if you're looking to landscape or maximize your outdoor living space this summer, ProTurf has that covered too. ProTurf will work with you to design your landscape project using digital photography and imaging software so you can see how all of it will look in full color before the work begins. ProTurf specializes installation of trees, shrubs, perennials, mulch beds, rock and sod, plus installation of concrete pavers or natural stone patios, fire pits, driveways, walkways, streams, and rock fountains and more. Check out their work at ProfessionalTurf.com. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Replace your worn-out wiper blades and see the road better with help from O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, save $10 on a pair of Trico Force wiper blades. Old Rewards members get four times points and receive a $5 reward with purchase. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades for free. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Progressive protects more than just your home and car. You could save when you bundle your motorcycles, ATVs, boats, and RVs. Doesn't that sound good? Like the sound of your boat cruising along the intercoastal. And there's the sound of the prop hitting a really big rock. And now the sound of waves because the engine stopped. But you know what does sound good? You're covered with Progressive. So bundle all your vehicles and home in one place and save with the multi-policy discount. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. How long does it take to tackle a home project? With Angie, you could cross it off your list before this ad is over. Just tell us what you need. Indoor or outdoor, repair or redesign. And we handle the rest. Sending a top pro to get it done. You don't have to lift a finger, except to tap the screen or click the mouse. Plus, Angie is free to use. So bring us your next home project 
and we'll bring it home. Download the app or go to Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com to get started. Ray Maliazzi here for eBay Motors. So you ordered a new air filter for your car. You try to install it, but it doesn't fit. So you take a little bit off the sides. What still doesn't fit? Well, you could try to sit on it. Or get it right the first time with eBay Guaranteed Fit. When you see the check, you know that part's going to fit. Air filters, brakes, headlights, over 122 million parts. Get the right parts at the right prices. eBay Motors, let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.